in the saddle, ready to rock and roll, feeling pretty crappy. How you guys doing? I'm only feeling crappy because I believe that every time I fly, there's disgusting people on the plane and they pass around germs. But I'm going to be positive because I had myself a heck of a weekend and I'm happy to be back talking into your eardrums and into your faces. Um, I was in Minneapolis. I was there for the final four. I had myself quite the weekend, if I may so my say so myself. Um, Saturday night, I got to watch college basketball with Wes Welker, which is as fun as I thought it would be. I got his phone number, and I'm hoping we hang out later. And if he does a podcast, it's going to be great, and you're going to hear it. I got to watch a game with Takeo Spikes. Yes, the big-necked monster that dominated back in the 90s. And I'm going to tell you, got to hang out with him afterwards, got his number, might have him on the pod. Let's go. Let's go. I'm being serious. Like, the coolest thing for me, guys, is like Jonathan Abram, that podcast. I'm getting so many notes from you guys about how much you loved them and how great it was. And the dopest thing was when I did the pod with him, I was like, they're going to love this. The 33% has been awesome. I'm trying to carry my 33%. Turner and Bleach Report, working me, bro. Working me. I'm not going to deny it. I love it. Man, I've been wanting to work like this my whole life. So this is great. Then Saturday night, magic, boys and ladies, magic. Uh, I'm, I'm, good, I'm pretty good friends now with Travis Kelsey. And uh, I got to hang out with Barkley and all that. And I got to meet Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Yes. I almost put my hand up and said he's the best quarterback we've ever seen. But you voted he's not. You voted he's two. I think he might. I'm just, uh, and I'm just going to say, I'm not going to share anything. I'm not a reporter. I don't break news. But I can say, Holmes is part of the 33%. Pat, thanks for listening. You're the man, bro. Let's go. Big weekend sauce. Big time weekend. Then I'm going to give you a little bit. This is another humble brag. I'm humble bragging the crap out of this pod. By the way, going to have Ty Dunn in a few minutes. Ty Dunn was the dude that wrote the article for Bleacher Report where he spent months looking into Aaron Rodgers, McCarthy. Rodgers has said some things since then. I just want to talk to Ty. I trust Ty. Ty's a phenomenal reporter, and that's why everybody ran with this because it's fact because Ty's reporting it. Excited to have him on. And then at the end, we're actually going to have a quick conversation with C.J. Proceis, running back for the Seattle Seahawks, getting a little update on how his health is doing and other things going on in his life. But Monday night, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like this because I'm excited. After the games are over, championship, Virginia holds on to win in overtime. Anybody that watched the Twitter show with me live, appreciate you guys. Go back to the hotel. Barkley goes, hey, Adam, you're drinking with me tonight, Adam. Come with me, Adam. I said, okay, man, you got it. I'm in the lobby with Barkley, Jay Billis, Jay Williams, Chris Long shows up, Danny Amendola shows up, crew status, magic, and... It, it was awesome because even though Charles was enjoying his cranberry vodka, which is his drink of choice, he still felt the need to, to tell the entire hotel 
pretty much, how great of a man Chris Long was. And everybody was like, cheers! You are a golden god, Chris Long. Because he is. Everything he does is incredible. But I'd say all this to tell you that the pod is strong, boys and girls. The pod is strong. The L-E-F-K-O-E, man, I'm never going to feel myself because I love this grind so much. But just know that we're, we're having athletes hitting us up now trying to get on the show that they want to be a part of what we're doing here. And the only reason that we're able to do this is because of you guys. When, when you guys go into, like, Jonathan Abrams mentions and tell him how great he is and how much you like him, he wants to be a part of the show. You know, when you guys do this with, with Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee hit me up, man. He's like, yo, you got great fans. You know, Rand Getlin, same thing. So I, I say all these stories because I appreciate you guys for making it possible. So I just wanted to start the show with the good energy. Uh, and now let's get into the other story that was so big. I, I got to go on. I got to go on freaking Dan Patrick on Friday. Ah, what is going on? But I went on Dan Patrick and I talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. And my big point was, if you've ever worked for a boss that you think you're smarter than, you understand what Aaron Rodgers was going through. I thought the article, if anything, was more damning on Mike McCarthy than it was on Aaron Rodgers. They both have come out. Mike McCarthy has denied the massages uh, that he got in his office. Aaron Rodgers has come out and pretty much taken shots. Uh, at Ty and at Jermichael Finley and, and Greg Jennings. But I thought it was I, – I thought the situation that Rodgers was in was a lot more understanding. Nick, call Ty. Let's get him on the phone to go over the article, to go over the response to the article. Because I, like you guys, I'm fascinated by um, a reporter's ability to work on something for months and not let anything slip because you know me. I am more than willing to get out there and start talking about stuff. But um, I, I've seen Ty work. I know his craft. And I'm just curious about how it all came together uh, and what the experience was like and what it's like now. I mean, I saw this dude on Coward getting a huge trophy uh, for, for doing great journalism. It was pretty darn interesting. But uh, Nick's going to get Ty on the phone. Um, but I, I took away from that whole article just going, if I'm Aaron – and I'm in my prime. I would be fed up too. Ty Dunn joining us now. First and foremost, before I make this all like official and shit. Ty, how are you? How are you, man, on this on this random Wednesday? Oh man, I'm doing great. Man. Where are I'm you in the great. world? Where are you at? I'm uh here in western New York. Uh it's been a fun week. My niece's uh birthday party got things uh started <laughs> up there. Uh Watch the the national championship game with my brother. Have nice. a baby on the way with the wife. It's been wow. uh, it's been a good week. Holy crap! And then the whole time, your mentions have probably been going crazy. <laughs> yeah, you learn to uh, to to tune out the noise as uh, as a wise athlete once said, right? Yo, yeah. Yo, hold on. Wait. So what are you what are you getting? Because like I was. I was shocked that I saw so many people going, oh, why are you doing this to Aaron? And in my head, and this is what I was just saying, 
I thought if anything, it made me understand your your amazing article, what Aaron was going through in that locker room. And it felt like it was more things that he had to adapt and he, he had to be more of a play caller and and try to lead in certain ways to make up for that other stuff. I didn't I didn't I didn't feel like it, it felt that bad towards Aaron. Am I crazy? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot to get into, obviously, but uh, I, I think big picture, you know, four months ago, starting this reporting, I had the same question that everybody had, whether you were a, a Packer fan, a football fan, a casual observer, just what the hell happened, yeah. right? I mean, how did it get from the point where their offense is doing whatever they wanted to do? with an MVP quarterback and this, this budding dynasty to losing at home to the Cardinals, the head coach being fired, you know, you, I mean, this isn't the first we've heard about the quarterback right. coach risk. Isn't the Dude, first we've heard about. That's what's um, so funny is I've been hearing about this forever. My friends have been hearing about this forever. Like it was like a really bad secret. It, it, it really, it really was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all I really did was pick up my phone and, and go through the contacts and reach out uh, to as many you know, people as, as I had in there and, and new people. And, you know, it added up to, I don't know, like, let me look here, 50, 50 sources yeah. in and around the organization, players, coaches, scouts. I mean, talking 60,000 words of transcriptions, it wasn't uh, – wasn't about two players. I know that's right. been said. Uh, there was uh, a, a lot that went into this. Yeah, I think also, you know, in terms of the two players, let's just start there really quick. Sure. You know, Greg Jennings has been on TV for years now saying these things. Jermichael Fenley has said this. And I, I would say that if you were to have written an article and not included their voices, it would have been, you would have been too one-sided like I thought you had to include them because we've been hearing Jennings say this forever and and the reason he's saying it or, or whatever it's like it doesn't matter you had to include it so I don't know why people are harping on those two guys when we've heard this before yeah you know it's it's interesting I, I, I get the, the criticisms and and actually talked about exactly that with Greg Jennings when we were having the conversation like I'm like Greg you know what the reaction is. And he said, Oh, I know, I know. I just want to put my name on it because I know there are a lot of guys who, who don't put their name on it. Same with your Michael Finley. So it's weird to criticize. I mean, I mean, whoever, I mean, if, if fans, like I said, I haven't been looking at the mentions, but I'm yeah. guessing this would be a theme there um, to criticize players who put their name on it. And also the anonymous sources who don't put their names on it. Um, Cause trust me, there's um, there's a lot there and, I've I've heard from players since the story dropped, and and look, players have every right to defend their quarterback. The quarterback has every right to defend himself on on Twitter, and and that that's great. But you know, there's there are also some guys that have that have spoken out that that were contacted that that chose not to talk. But there's 53 guys on a team every year. There's a lot of a lot of personnel guys, a lot of coaches, and. Um, we are, uh, you know, confident in this. When when you start something like this, I kind of want to go behind the curtain with you. Right. Um, who do you decide to call first? Hmm. I, oh man, that's a like, good like, question. It's, it's I think it's, it's, like, uh, it's like it's whoever like whoever answers first, right? I mean, I, there were a lot of calls. 
Yeah, I was going to say you're unraveling something. So it's kind of like which which piece of cloth do you pull at first, you know? So you just kind of put out feelers there, and then people got back as they got back to you, huh? Yeah, 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 exactly. I'd say there was a um, someone in personnel who was around for for a decent amount of time that saw things up close. Uh, that was the first sure. you know, the first source that definitely shed a, a lot of light. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, things, I, I think, you know, when, when, when Greg Jennings is, is talking for uh, whatever it was, an hour, it might have been like 50 minutes, uh, that's, and is bringing detail. And that's, you know, that's all that, that show versus tell thing. It's one thing to hear somebody on or off the record uh, tell you about the the relationship or something about the team or the quarterback or the coach, but he, he was willing to show and use examples. I think also what, what I'm actually, I'm curious from all the stories that I've seen, whether it's the massage stuff or Rogers changing plays or whatever, what was the nugget that was said to you that surprised you the most? Like what was the part where you're like, wow, yeah. it got that bad. I think I was most surprised at the relationship between coach and quarterback early on, you know, I was, I was out there for the 2011 season. I was covering the team for the Milwaukee journal Sentinel when they're going 15 and one and, and they look every bit the part of a dynasty, a team that's going to win the Super Bowl. And I think everybody just kind of assumed then, and then into the next year when they're 11 and five and they're a contender again, that, that everything was fine and perfect between the two. And just wasn't the case, you know, he's, um, unhappy behind the scenes. He's reaching out to people close to him. He's saying that the wrong plays are coming in with the wrong personnel. And, you know, even back then, I think there was you know, sometimes uh, c- confusion with younger receivers on, okay, the coach is telling me to run this route, but a signal from the quarterback is telling me to do that. And, you know, what's interesting, Adam, it's like this, this it's not black and white. It's not good guy versus bad guy, right. good and evil. I mean, there's so many shades of gray here. I mean, you can you can see, I mean, why Aaron Rodgers would run an offense this this way. I mean, he was given this freedom from his coach to to change plays, to use signals. I mean, he operates on so much feel. I mean, Jordy Nelson was was really one of the smartest guys in the building too. It's no coincidence that they had the report they had. Right. I mean, it's who knows you know where the offense would have been if. He's strictly running every single play that was called and didn't have that freedom. I think that's what's so interesting is we've seen, I feel like a lot of stories have come out about different aspects that were like perfected in your story. We've heard about uh, before Aaron being a little bit uh, temperamental and sensitive. We've heard about, you know, the, the Packers offense. Be, we, we talk about all the time on this show. The Packers offense being so simple that everybody knows it's going to be a slant flat, uh, that maybe mm-hmm. he, that he wasn't taking it that serious. Yours felt like that that great collective of all of those things. Um, so as you as you sit back now, having covered the team, are there even things that you can look back at back in 2011 when it was successful and go, you know what? Now I can kind of see something there. Like, d- does it make you notice anything from your own past? Hmm. Boy, a-, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see where when you have that kind of talent, I mean, who's going to cover Greg Jennings one-on-one on those deep boots? You know, who's going on the play-action bombs that you just saw work like clockwork? Who's yeah. going to guard Jermichael Finley? Who's going to cover Randall Cobb in the slot? 
all of that. And then as that talent kind of drains and you're kind of still doing the same stuff, I mean, you're going to have you're going to have problems. I mean, a lot of the problems between coach and quarterback were, was rooted in, in that the DNA of the offense itself. You know, it's I, I think up close is it's kind of gradual. You don't really grasp it at the time. You just think like the players think, and that it just should be automatic. But um, and, and then I guess the uh, the uh, the head coach taking that CEO like approach and stepping back. I mean, obviously we saw the assistant coaches always being shuffled to different positions, which, as uh, Ryan Grant kind of noted, right. wasn't necessarily the best thing for the team. No, um, that's what happened at the end of Andy Reid's tenure. He took right. Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach, and made him the defensive coordinator. And it was like, I don't, I don't know what you're trying to do. Is this like a TED Talk? But this isn't how this works. <laughs> that's kind of how Graham put it. It's, you know, He's like, these are good coaches, but it's – not helping the team if the player knows more than the coach in that spot. And then also for the the head coach to maybe take more of a backseat role and, and not run as many offensive meetings that, you know, I, I think that there was that perception that there was growth for the organization through all of that when it, it really wasn't helping. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the problems just kind of, kind of festered and, and really the fact that Ted Thompson um, did, didn't step in. And I know there's, it's been a lot, you know, a lot, oh, a lot yeah. of criticism toward uh, the two people that kept coming up in, in all of this reporting, uh, the quarterback and the coach. But to Ted Thompson, Absolutely. as well, I mean, to not see the force from the trees and and step in between McCarthy and Rogers and and talk this out or, or to let all these veterans go a year too early to lose those leaders and all of a sudden leaders who aren't really natural leaders are forced to be leaders. I mean, that that really was a big problem. How? much of this would have been fixed by having an owner? Boy, that's the big question. Um, I, you know, there's definitely a lot of benefits to not having that one singular owner, but I really do think it would have helped at some point in this situation to to have somebody take charge. I mean, in theory, it, it should have been Ted Thompson, but as we wrote, I mean, the last couple of years, he wasn't even himself. I mean, it, and nobody stepped in above him, so... Yeah, Adam, I, I think it would have helped, and I think that's why maybe uh, Mark Murphy's taking more of an active role. When you're about to publish this, were you nervous? Like, what was that feeling like for you personally going, wow, I, I've worked on this for months, over 60,000 words. Like, what, was it nervous? Was it excitement? What was it like for you personally? Yeah, you know, I think there's definitely a mix of everything. It's, it's interesting. There's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of folks kind of texted me is like, "Hey, how you doing over there?" And it's like, "I'm I'm fine." You know, it's it. You write something like this, you report on something like this, you know, it's a it's an explosive topic. It always has been. Um, so there's going to be that that reaction, you know, from all involved. I mean, it's it's not a shock. It, it's not a surprise. I mean, we put in the story from a personnel man, you know, who was uh, talking about, you know, what makes Aaron Rodgers tick and, and how he thinks and how he operates. I mean, the quote was that he is super sensitive. He doesn't like people to talk bad about him. He doesn't like negative stuff said about him. It bothers him to his core. It hurts him. So yeah, when, when Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has every right to respond and he, he did. And it's, it's not a surprise. He, he should, but yeah, we, uh, it was, it was an interesting process to, to talk to as, as many people as we did to try to just figure out the answer to that question. I can't stress that enough. I mean, that's all we were doing. 
I mean, yeah. literally, everybody I reached out to was just, what happened? People want to know. Exactly. But this, and so then he does respond. And this is not some war of words because that, one, that's not the guy you are. Like, just for, like, everybody out mm-hmm. there, like, Ty Dunn is a is a weightlifting, beer drinking, having a good time. <laughs> I just like fucking writing about football. Like, right? Like, I feel like that's you to your core. Am I crazy? No, I, I think that's accurate. <laughs> like, I've met a lot of writers in my life that are all about trying to become more famous. That are yeah. all about trying to get, you know, another job. And the thing is about when you work at Bleacher Report and you have like a job that you have or a job that I have where we just get to fucking create like there it like this world of like making a bigger name for yourself is crazy. So here's the quote. This is what Aaron said to ESPN Walk. He said, the thing is, it's not a mystery. This was a smear attack by a writer trying to advance his career, talking with mostly irrelevant, bitter players who all have an agenda. I am also saying that on this, we have in this show's constitution that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. I said on Dan Patrick on Friday, the number one interview I'd like to get is Aaron because I'd like to crack that code. So I am a huge fan of Aaron and I'm a huge fan of yours and I respect both of you. But the thing about that, that quote from Aaron was that quote sounded like a very bitter person. Um, and, and I just, I don't agree with it. And I'm curious what you thought when you saw that quote about you. Well, yeah, I obviously believe it is an incorrect statement. Um, but like I said, I mean, it's not a surprise and he has every right to, to get into and and talk about whatever he wants to. That's, that's fine. I mean, it's it's fine. You know, I, I wasn't offended. I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin and comfortable with every single story I've done throughout my career. And my God, no, it's not, nothing has ever about advanced my career. The last thing I want is to be a part of the story. I mean, every writer in this business doesn't want to, does not want to be a part of the story. So yeah, it's, I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. It's, it's, it's fine. It was good to hear from him. And Hey, he has uh, every right to think and think how he wants to think and say what he wants to say. I did think it was interesting that when McCarthy denied your stuff, everybody was like, oh, yeah, no, no, totally. McCarthy, you did that. And then A-Rod denied it and we're like – and then also I, I thought it was interesting that – and you don't have to comment on this. This is just me doing a show. Uh, I thought that Rogers also releasing that he, like, broke his leg that first game. I was like, oh, that's interesting too. Uh, just kind of like controlling the narrative and it's, I don't know, like this is just for me being personal. I don't know if you can just talk from your own experience. I I've had jobs in the past where the people that I was listening to, I didn't think were qualified to lead. And even though it's not a real grudge, you know, in, in your head, you go home and you're like, man, my job will be so much easier if that person could do theirs. And, you know, and if, if I ever got sat down with them, I'd look them in the eye and be like, look, I respect you and I like you. I just wish you were better. And I, I feel like that's what it felt like with Aaron. I just, you know, just as a human, that's why the article spoke to me so much. Like, I, I really didn't think it made it seem like Aaron was that bad. Right. I mean, that's, and that's kind of the point, right? I mean, didn't, that's why we talked to as many people as we did and and didn't want that lean one way or another while trying to figure out the answer to that question is, is it's not, it's not black and white. I mean, there's so many shades of gray. You can see 
I mean, you can you can make both cases that you know Mike McCarthy is the head coach. Right. You should respect authority. You should do what he says. And you can make the case, well, what the heck? I mean, this, this offense is stale. I've got this freedom. We want to win. He's. I'm all about winning. Like, yeah, let's let, let's change things up and and. Uh, and, and play Superman a little bit like he did, because guess what? He's got the best passer rating in NFL history. So you you can definitely kind of see both both sides here, I think. And uh, in the end, it's Rodgers Rogers won, um, and now he's got to move forward with a new coach and a young offense, and we'll see how it goes because yeah. I'm not so sure he'll have that freedom that he's that he's had the last, you know, decade from all the people that you talk to what is the vibe of everyone's expectations for the the new era of Packers football with the new head coach I think there's a lot of excitement I mean you know I, I, another part of the story was just how the, the team really went went soft under under McCarthy maybe the attention to the defense wasn't there I mean there was a a, a player a defensive starter that I talked to and I loved his analogy on, on that NFC championship loss to Seattle. He said, you know, it was like the movie The Perfect Storm where, yeah, we're, we're up 16-0, we're up 19-7, there's four minutes left, we're catching all, all those fish. Jeez. You know, I don't know if anybody's seen the movie. And it's, yeah. But that it's bound to capsize. Like the season's bound to capsize because we were this, this soft team with this soft mindset, and it was just inevitable. And – I, I, I think that's changing. I think the fact that they went out and they signed, you know, three you know, new starters, pillars for the defense in a span of what, 24, 48 hours helps. Uh, I, I think Mike Pettin will definitely keep that defense moving in the right direction. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. The question is offensively for sure. I, I, I wish the rest of humankind can understand that when bad things happen, good things can come from it. I just watched Virginia – suffered the most embarrassing loss in the history of college basketball last year, and then turn it around to a national championship. And with that being said, I firmly believe that Aaron Rodgers could have maybe the best year of his career next year because this is a guy that motivates himself through criticism. He motivates himself through, it feels like, the appearance of others. You know, he's not this. He's not like Tom Brady where he's like, every day is a war, I must win. It seems like Aaron loves a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And I talk about that all the time. And I feel like this could end up being the best thing that's ever happened to him. I really genuinely believe that, Ty. It could. It really could. I think, and you know, Ryan Grant's voice has seemed to get lost. It has gotten lost in the aftermath. But, man, he put it put it so well, you know, with that double-edged sword of, okay, you, you don't like how Aaron Rodgers operates that way. If you don't like the sensitivity, if you don't like the fact that he still feels like he's got something to prove and holds a grudge and is that that uh, rookie from Cal waiting in the green or if you don't like that, well, that, that that's a problem because that's part of what makes him great. And yeah. you hear a lot about chips on the shoulder uh, with, with star athletes, but it is different for him. And it comes up again and again, and, and maybe this becomes fuel. I don't know. I mean, it's we were just trying to, to, to tell a story, and uh, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I was talking to um, a former player recently, and he wasn't he wasn't so sure. I mean, he he kind of saw 
both points, and he's like, yeah, I, I can see where uh, Aaron Rodgers would be would be motivated, but schematically, I'm not so sure he will want to play in a new yeah. offense and, and lose that freedom, and that is going to be a huge adjustment period. So it's kind of both, right? I mean, it's kind of it, there's a lot of intangibles involved here, but there's a lot of X's and O's involved here. My my thing is this though. If Aaron Rodgers was an average quarterback, I would want him to fall in line. If he was Mariota or um, like Trubisky, where Trubisky is currently right now, yes, listen to your head coach. But I would never hire a head coach to come in and go, Rodgers, you're running my system. No, I think part of the reason they like LaFleur is he's a young guy that's very intelligent that could go in there and go, let's work together. You, when you yeah. have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you don't tell him what to do. You, you, would, you wouldn't go to Tom Brady. You wouldn't go to Russell Wilson and go, this is what we're doing. You go, what do you feel comfortable about doing? What are your strengths? What did you love in your last offense? What did you hate? And you sit down and you build an offense. Th- this notion that coaches show up with a playbook, drop it on the desk, and this is what we're running now. Th- this isn't 1980. You know, right. I just, I, I don't, I, I think if this is going to work, it's a LaFleur Rogers partnership. There isn't a fall in line aspect to this. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's, it's a give and take. It's a relationship. It's, it's going it, to be it's, weeks, it's months, okay to admit, years in the works. It, I, I just think it's okay to admit that Aaron Rodgers is special and should receive special treatment because that's how good he is. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah. If you could sit down with Aaron um, and not not be like, hey, man, sorry if you didn't like it, not like that. But, like, if you could ask him a question, what would you ask him about this whole stuff? Boy, that's a great question, Adam. Um, I'd ask kind of what Greg Jennings hit on at the end of the story. Like, yeah, as he put uh, – a lot is a lot is made about him being part of the problem, you know, as, as from Greg or Michael, right? Um, other sources like, all right, is he going to look in the mirror? Is, is he is he going to maybe make those self sacrifices that, that are small? You know, to be big. Maybe it's handing the ball off to running backs forty seven times in a championship conference championship game, like, sure. like Tom Brady did. It's it's these small sacrifices along the way. It, as Greg put, like he can be part of the solution. So how? Are you a part of the solution? You know how. What is that balance in in your mind? And I guess we'll see. We'll hmm. see. It, it's going to be interesting. You working on anything uh, coming up in the next few months, or now is it sort of let me take a step back and 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 regain my life before I jump back into something else? Oh no, d- definitely want to jump jump back in. I mean, we've got uh, we've got some some stories. Uh, in the works here, uh, the draft around the corner. So, sure. Uh, we'll have a, a feature on a, a player. I don't know how much I'm allowed to give away here. Yeah, yeah. So, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, I, but I will. Careful. I will promote it when it's dropping for sure. Okay, let's just we'll just roll with that then. Ty, you're the man, dude. Appreciate your hey. time, man. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks a lot. Always. Uh, Ty Dunn, check it out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy. What happened in Green Bay? I know that Aaron has come out and denied a lot of stuff but that's what they're supposed to do um but I, I just think there's a few things that we all need to think about here if we're all in agreement that mike mccarthy mailed it in then why are we going oh look 
Aaron's audibling too much. He's taking it under his own control. Clearly, he had to. Clearly. Aaron has always been someone that I have heard has been sensitive to outside words. He may even hear this and go, guess what? I'm never fucking talking to Lefko, which would suck because I'd love to talk to him. But how many interview guys have I done the last few weeks? Devontae Adams, Trent Brown, where I talked about using haters as fuel. But just like a space shuttle, you have to drop those heavy fuel tanks eventually or else you're never going to make it to space. And space isn't always success. Sometimes space is peace of mind. Sometimes space is contentment. Sometimes it's just getting away. Um, I, I think Winston Churchill called it the black dog, where it's like this depression that can kind of set over you when you're trying to achieve great things and it's, it's consuming your mind. And it can become a lot. Um, I think any time that, that people are airing things or they're coming out and they're trying to speak truth, it's going to make those people feel uncomfortable because Greg Jennings' paradigm, his worldview, is not the same as Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sees the situation one way. Greg Jennings sees it another way. I think what's very funny about Greg is he talks about how Aaron's sensitive, yet Greg is the one that can't seem to forget the one time Aaron, and I'm sure Anna will probably say it was a joke, was like, oh yeah, you, the Vikings, you guys should sign Greg Jennings. It seems like it stayed with him for a long time. You are who you surround yourself with. And Aaron seems to be someone that surrounds himself with very intelligent people. And that's what he can do. If you're that intelligent, I think you can do that. But I genuinely believe, it depends obviously on the health of the offensive line, <laughs> excuse me I think it depends on the health of Aaron Rodgers and I think it depends on Matt LaFleur legitimately being a good offensive mind that can build and when people compare Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady and they say things like well Tom ran it like as Ty was saying ran it 46 times if Aaron Rodgers had Josh McDaniels he would run every play that that guy gave him but he didn't have Josh McDaniels he had Joe Philbin and Mike McCarthy and Darren Bevel. Like, say those names out loud and ask yourself if Aaron Rodgers shouldn't have been audibling all the time. Daryl Bevel, I think I just called him Darren, Joe Philbin, Mike McCarthy. And then you factor in what Ty said when they did make the run. They had a young Randall Cobb in the slot. They had a healthy Jermichael Finley, who people forget was like a Jordan Reed type. They had Greg Jennings able to take the top off. They had Jordy Nelson, who could also take the top off and was insanely consistent. They had a great offensive line. They had good balance. Like, everything was clicking because they had all the pieces, and Aaron was doing whatever he wanted. I understand why Aaron has a chip on his shoulder. From the draft to having to go to JUCO to having to sit behind Brett Favre for three freaking years. I get it. But I think this is going to be benefiting him the same way that that story will benefit Carson Wentz. 
about people thinking that he was changing the plays too much and that he wasn't just he was targeting Zach Ertz too much and not Alshon Jeffrey. It's better to have people around you that can tell you the truth so that you can improve. If you only have people around you telling you how great you are and you only have people around you never giving you the blame, you know what happens? Eli fucking Manning. That's what fucking happens. You end up never able to break the cord and never able to move on. The Seahawks had to move on from their OC because they didn't make the playoffs. The Packers had to move on from their head coach and everybody because they didn't make the playoffs. It's time, and I think great things are in store. The other crazy story that happened over this weekend was Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, wild. Antonio Brown, in this wild offseason, tweets something about you need to keep your emotions off the internet. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, provoked by a Steeler fan talking about Juju, brought up the fact that Juju fumbled in a critical game and, and, and cost them a trip to the playoffs. Juju then responded pretty much just saying exactly what Antonio Brown did. Keep your emotions off the internet. Even saying, you know, I got respect for Antonio Brown. And then Antonio Brown the next day found a DM from Juju coming out of USC asking for advice and put it online as if that were an insult to Juju. What has happened is that Antonio Brown has realized, furthermore, that Juju was the more well-liked receiver in Pittsburgh. And the reason is obvious. It's the reason that the 33% fucks with me. Because I openly fuck with y'all. I'm in those DMs. I'm showing up. You come to me, man, we're hanging out. You realize that this ain't a front. You realize this is just who, who I am. Juju is a part of this generation. He's even more. He's a Gen Zer. He's not even a millennial. Juju goes out in the mall and does videos. He's going to play video games on Twitch. He's going to do Reddit stuff. Like, Juju is out here meeting with people. Antonio Brown stays in that mansion and doesn't need to leave. I think the reason Antonio Brown did this, if you want my Lefko reasoning, is because every time Antonio Brown has called out somebody, Steelers fans have loved it. When he called out Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think Antonio Brown realized that a lot of people in our society don't like Ben Roethlisberger. A lot. The number one athlete, man, if I'm at a sports bar and the Steelers are on there, someone's taking a shot at Big Ben. They are. So when he took a shot at his teammate Big Ben and got all that dopamine back about people being like, yeah, Antonio Brown's right, Antonio Brown's right, he didn't realize the dynamic. So when Juju came out there and posted right afterwards that Big Ben has stood up for him and all that stuff, I get almost, excuse me, that was awful. Let me take a sip of water. 
I can almost guarantee that that's what got Antonio Brown upset in the first place. But what Antonio Brown is not understanding is what is Juju going to do? Big Ben is still his quarterback. Juju, I, I put that clip online about him going, Antonio Brown's the GOAT. And I saw a lot of you guys tweeting at me going, oh, let's see if Lefko still claims AB. I am not Skip Bayless. I am not these guys that are going to make enemies and we're going to, or that's my guy. And I'm then, no, your actions determine my support. And what, what AB did to Juju was dumb as fuck. I'm going to put the AF on it. It was unnecessary. It was petty. It was corny. And I can almost guarantee you that a lot of Steelers fans are going to buy Juju jerseys because of it. A.B. secured the bag. The problem with A.B. is, is exactly what we were just talking about with Rodgers. He's been one of the best wide receivers damn near his whole career. He (laughs) excuse me, now gotten paid. He's executed one of the greatest transitions from a team to another team from a player perspective I've ever seen. But in his mind, he's still the sixth rounder out of Central Michigan. In his mind, he's the guy that we weren't sure if he could replace Emmanuel Sanders. This is what I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting like philosophical to you guys. Hate is a great fuel. But you eventually need to drop those tanks because they will explode and and you will not be going to space. You will be a part of space. And so to everyone out there that is using chips on their shoulder right now, that is fueling themselves with this, it's not clean, guys. And it eventually could lead to your downfall. So... A lot of drama in the NFL. I've always said I want this show to, to bring an NBA perspective to the NFL and focus on the personalities. Um, but really, it's been dominated by those two stories, and it really did feel like the NBA. This felt like a burner account. This felt like that D'Angelo Russell Snapchat stuff. It felt like that. So thank you to Ty Dunn coming on, breaking down some insight on what happened with the reporting and also what he thinks with Green Bay, Rogers, McCarthy. Uh, I'm hoping, A.B., that, man, you find some joy. And I'm really hoping that you and the Raiders do well. Because if not, man, it's going to be a crazy season. You, ooh, that could, that could be crazy. I am now going to toss it to a conversation with C.J. Procise. little conversation, update on his health, check in with how the, the Seattle Seahawks running back is doing. Mike Davis is now in Chicago. So what's going on in Seattle in that crowded backfield? Let's listen in CJ Procise to everybody else. Love y'all. Homies, you're the shit. I appreciate your 33%. To all the people making that Reddit come alive, I'm reading it. Y'all are fucking great. To all the people in the DMs, the YouTube comments, I love you a lot. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E, and I'll holla, holla, holla at you later. Here's me and CJ. <laughs> Don't laugh like that. Hey. Oh, wait, wait, listen to the bass, listen to the bass, listen to the bass. Ready?
You like that? I sound like some L.A. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> that voice you're hearing right now is C.J. Procise. C.J., that song you're hearing is from Rod Simba. So we have, I call them the 33%. They're the homies. They're the people that listen. They help out. And he was this music producer uh, that was like, I want to make some songs for you. So he did our last theme song. He did this theme song. They give 33%. I give 33%. Today you're holding down the other 33%. I got you. Happy to have you you here, man. I got you. Uh, You're not in New York that often. I'm curious. For someone that lives in Seattle, what do you think about New York? Uh, I love the big city, man. You know, I love just coming out here and just feeling the energy. You know, coming from Seattle where it's a... It's chill. It's chill, laid back. You know, not. I mean, it's stuff going on, but yeah. it's not a lot going on. But you, you get to, you get to New York, and it's. We have a lot of listeners that are in Europe, that are in different countries. Mm-hmm. How do you describe New York? Because I'm here every day. I'm used to it right now. What, what is, what do you, describe it to them? Uh, man, it's. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I love it. You know, I got a lot of friends here and a lot of people here I know. But I really just the energy is just different. You know, it's just. I mean, really, the city that never sleeps, and it's uh. You get here, I mean, you know, I got here in here late last night, and yeah. you still you still go get something to eat, like, when you get in at 12 o'clock or something, like, or, or something like that. So, you you know, can you do that in Seattle? No, nah, I mean, stuff is... Kind of like, starts to slow you know, down. 10 o'clock, you know. Yeah. 10 o'clock, everybody in the house, you know. You ain't no, nobody on the roads after, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, so... My number one question mm-hmm. is, how you feeling right now? Uh, How's the body? How's life? Uh, I'm feeling great. Feeling healthy. Uh, just came off surgery in December, uh, and, you know... I'm back healthy, 100% ready for OTAs. Right, you're feeling great. Feeling great. So what was it? What did you get the surgery on? So I had a core uh, core reconstruction surgery. Damn. Yeah. That sounds intense. Uh, I mean, it, was, it had, had some stuff going on in there, some uh, a ligament I had torn. I had to but get I remember reading that they were like, CJ, this is something CJ's been needing to get for a long time. Yeah, and it was something That's that was great. probably going on from like, you know, probably started in college and, you know, it's just been kind of kind of you know bugging me for the whole like since you know really since my whole college career and then into wow. my nfl career and you know finally you know it was just some, something just happened and it was you know it was time to get it done so get now fixed. you had the surgery in december and do you feel better than you felt before oh yeah i mean i feel like i'm i can do things that you know i haven't i've been like kind of restricted to as far as my body was you know and now you know getting that getting that fixed and getting that back right you know i feel like a new man almost bro do you know how much that's going to excite Seahawks fans because like I I watch the whole league I watch every game and that performance against the Patriots which I'm sure everyone's like oh man that, that was the CJ Proces game yeah. and I was like this is this is the next running back man like uh, I'm excited for you that's yeah. got to be exciting I appreciate you man I appreciate you it is I mean it's and it's a, it's a big relief because you know it was always kind of always something like kind of felt off you know and it just getting that done and now now I'm, I go out there now and I feel like 100% Damn, and now I'm thinking it's you, Carson, Penny. That's a hell of a three-headed oh, monster yeah. in Seattle, and they love to run the ball. Oh yeah, can, I mean, what, what's that running back room like? I mean, we we so for one, it's a lot of competition. You know, that's and that's the that's the best part. You know, we're just going to continually make each other better. And you know, we, I mean, we, when Carson and and uh, and Penny, you know, those guys already they got their you know their, their our run styles are so different, and we can just bring so many dy- dynamics to the game. I'm just really excited for what the season is going to be. I was uh, very jealous of you recently. I went on and I looked and I saw that you were at the Rock Nation brunch, and you were. I'm seeing a picture of you with Jay Z and two chains. <laughs> many people, I would say 99.9 percent of people that are listening right now, will never experience the weekend of the Grammys going to the Rock Nation brunch. Take me to the moment that. 
you're walking in, you're dressed fly, you got the sunglasses on, you're probably a little nervous. What was that like, man? Um, it's a different experience. You know, that was my first time going, uh, and, you know, it's just you just see so many people who just got just, you know, just so much clout with them and just so much, uh, you know, just so much, I guess, energy. And, like, you know, just it's, it's so much with them, and you just, you just, you're just amazed to see everybody and just how everybody just, just relaxed and laid back. Who froze you? Who did you see that you literally went, oh, jeez? I mean, you know, I wouldn't say I really froze or nothing. It's okay. I would freeze. I, I mean, listen, like, you know, I, I, I met Jay a couple of times before, you know, I mean, when you meet Jay, like, I mean, really, who else you can right. meet, you know, that's, that's going to really What kind of like conversations that. did you have with Jay? Uh, I mean, you know, when, when I first conversation with Jay, you know, it was just, you know, just talking about, you know, just, just keep grinding, you know, just, just work hard, you know, and he just told me, you know, he told me how he liked my game, you know, right, right, right when they signed me. So, and it was cool, you know, just talking to Jay and hearing that from him. Yeah. It's like, phew. That's crazy. <laughs> that's that's Jay freaking feel, insane. Feel me? Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the outfits that are there? Because I'm seeing people in like the teals and the the pastels. Listen, I mean, you saying two chains? Yeah, two chains came down. You know, I mean, hey, people like, I, I, you know, I like to keep it simple. Like, yes, like, oh, but hey, people. That's like, not yeah. two chains. No, no. no. Uh, my my dream is to be able to do what two chains does. He just walks around in a robe. <laughs> he'll just smoke whenever he wants to smoke. We're like, yeah, it's two chains. You can do whatever he wants. Chilling. Always on. Always on sports talk shows. Yeah. <laughs> Do whatever he wants. Do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, one of my one of my really good friends now has become Quentin Nelson. Oh yeah. And I'm just curious. I look back at some of those Notre Dame offensive lines. Yeah. I mean, what were those guys like in college? I mean, I was spoiled because I mean, a lot of people don't know this. I mean, my left tackle went six. Yep. My left Ronnie guard Stanley. went what? Q went six as well. Yeah. My right tackle went number ten. McGlinchey. And then my my center went uh, Nick Martin. Second, second round. Yeah. So I mean. You know, I was I was blessed. You know, I was really you know blessed at the time, my timing as far as you know moving to running back mm. and having the guys in front of me that I had. I mean, you know, I, all I had to do was run the ball. Did you, know? you like? Did you realize at the time that was like an NFL offensive line? No idea, not at all. You mean like you know we, we knew we had you know we had at the time you know Ronnie we knew Ronnie was the guy right and you know Q Q Q came in and we knew he was the number one guy come out of, out of college and but you just kind of seeing Q he was yeah. Like, all right, this dude's like he was built like a fire hydrant. He's different. You're like, all right, this dude's like a refrigerator. Like, yeah, he's not. He's, not, you're, he's good. And, and then Nick is Zach's brother, Nick, so yeah, exactly, it makes sense. Exactly. And, and then McGlinchey looks like McGlinchey looks like if you went into the encyclopedia and looked up right tackles, yeah, McGlinchey's gonna be like, hey, what's yeah, up? That's him right there. Yeah, there's a big picture of him right there, his face. So, and then I mean. And then at right right guard, we had a guy named Steve Elmer who nobody even knows about, but he could have easily went to the NFL. So wow! So and he, he decided to just you know just stop playing football. So what's crazy is that you know I had a full offensive line of guys who just just all NFL talents. That was the thing about you too is the transition from wide receiver to running back. And I know that Seattle has at times even tried you out at wide receiver. What is that? What is your relationship with the positions? Uh, I mean I, I love playing receiver and I love playing running back, and uh, I think. You know, I, I learned to play receiver, and I think I'm just a natural running back. Mm. You know, and uh, so I think that's kind of how the things like things kind of fit together for me, and then just just my skill set. That's just how I, I excel, just playing both. Well, I mean, think about the day and age of the game right now. Yeah. I mean, Le'Veon Bell had 90 receptions. Mm -hmm. uh, Christian McCaffrey had about like 100 receptions. Oh, yeah. It's part of the game now. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm excited when you say you're healthy and you're feeling great. I'm going, ooh, Carson's the pound back. Penny's like the reverse like change of field back. And then you're the swing guy out of the backfield. And then all that with this offensive line oh, yeah. that is all of a sudden clicking. Exactly. Was it just the offensive line coach? 
Like, what happened that the Seattle offensive line went from this is a problem to now we're pushing people? Well, you know, I think first of all is the mentality. You know, we brought back that, you know, we want to bring back that running game mentality. And uh, maybe that, that was something we were kind of missing the last couple of years. And then, you know, it, it came with the guys who, you know, we brought in, you know, Fluker and, it, you know, Sweezy. And it really it was those guys who brought that mentality back and, that, you know, that, that, that run game back. And then, you know, just when Carson, you know, when Carson just pounded in there, yeah. and that, that's, that's just changed the whole thing for us. And then it just takes, it, takes our whole our offense to a whole new level. And then in terms of, like, you talk about, like, bringing identity. There's been an identity change in that team now for the last few years where Earl's officially gone, Richard's now gone, Cam's gone. Where Those were guys that were Seattle for about a decade. What, what do you think that's going to be like getting there and, and they're not in the locker room? I mean, look, other guys are going to step up. Frank Clark's going to step up. KJ's back. Uh, Russ is still there. Yeah. But how do you think that's going to change the locker room? Uh, I mean, you know, the guys – like you know the you know the, the players change but the culture's still there mm. and you know we still have the the, cult, the the culture of the Seahawks and you know coach Carroll really keeps that around and we're still going to be the same team we're still going to be the hard-nosed team that's going to be in your face and we'll be talking trash and doing everything to you so you know that that's going to be us every game and that's what we want to be known as and you know even even though those, those guys are gone and those sure. guys are great and you know but you know it's I mean, the times change you know, you know the team we definitely got to move on and we we showed last year that we can do do it without those guys, and we're gonna to have to do it again. Think about how many people had you guys having an awful year, and you go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's culture. Exactly. It didn't go anywhere. Um, do you know like Cable Thanos? Like if I say that, do you know what that is? Cable Thanos. Yeah. No. So I believe out of all the NFL teams, that Seattle has the most unique like internet following. And Cable Thanos is this guy on Twitter that puts together all these crazy videos. So people that like crap on the Seahawks, mm-hmm. he like compiles it when you guys do well, and he's like, "Oh yeah, really?" And it's like zoom ins and stuff. Yeah. I, do you have any experience with like Seattle Twitter at all, or Seattle? Because uh, I know I saw you're not the biggest social media guy. Yeah, I, I'm not a, like a big like you know I follow it. You know I kind of look look on it, but I don't yeah. I don't post a lot. You know I would say I definitely don't post a lot. So I mean I definitely don't know. The cable Thanos guy. Dude, I'm, I'm, I know Seahawks Twitter is pretty. I know Seahawks social media in general is just is pretty. Yeah. The fan, the fan base in general is just wild, ridiculous, and wild. amazing. I mean, amazing and and wild and crazy. So you know the twelves are something else. All sure. right. So then I'm gonna give you uh, some Lefko PR. When you're you know you're doing training camp and all that, and people are asking you about your health and how you feel and all that stuff, go like shout out Cable Thanos. Cable Thanos. Because I'm telling you, the twelves will love it. Yeah. It's he's. There are certain fans that are above other fans, yeah. and he's kind of there. Uh, I'm excited for you. I think we're entering we're entering the contract year, right? We are. And you're healthier than you've ever been. Oh yeah. And I think that's a beautiful freaking combination. I think that the offensive line is finally coming together. I think Russ is super comfortable right now. I think the defense has an identity. And I'm pumped for you, dude. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Like, you. are you feeling the energy, too? Like, what's, oh, yeah, no. what's your mindset for the season? My mindset is, you know, just, just go out there and just, and just do whatever I can to help the team win. Uh, you know, nothing more than that. You know, I just want to. Do what I gotta do to help the team win. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And remember to shout out Cable Thanos. Oh, Cable Thanos. I, I to the forget. 12s. I won't forget. Won't forget. <laughs> CJ, you're oh, the man, bro. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming Thank in, you, man. man.